0: take your Bibles now and open up to 2 Peter chapter 2. What a fun day. What a fun day to be in the house of the Lord, to be strengthened, to fellowship together, and to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. There is no greater way to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ than by his word his word. So what we do here at South Beach Church is we study God's word. We take books of the Bible and we go through them chapter at a time, every verse, every line. So that way we get the whole counsel of God's word because it takes the whole Bible to make a whole Christian. You ever met a half Christian before? Super weird, super weird. You need the whole Bible. So I'm gonna say a quick prayer and then I'm gonna read. Father, in Jesus' name now in the next 30 minutes, maybe 25 minutes that we have together, would you bless us and grow us? Would you do a work in us? And Lord, as I look at Second Peter chapter 2, I see the intensity of this chapter. Lord, it's, it's a Liam Neeson chapter. It's a Rambo chapter. It's an Arnold Schwarzenegger chapter. It's a Clint Eastwood chapter. It's a rescue chapter. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would be honored, Lord, as we study it. And we ask for discernment and wisdom. May you, Lord, make the application to our lives personally and collectively. And would you, Lord, again, restore our minds. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so, Lord, renew our minds right now. We study this word together in Jesus' name. And everybody said? I want you guys to see the context. And we were here two weeks ago, but Peter says this in verse 21 of chapter one. He says, for prophecy, that's the Bible, never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. He's excited about the word of God. Verse one of chapter two. But there were also false prophets, So the scriptures came by prophecy when God moved on holy men through the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, unilaterally right there with them, there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many who follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction will not or does not slumber. God knows, God sees and God's got a plan. And yet here, Peter transitions from chapter one to chapter two. And in chapter one, he encouraged us. We we spent six weeks in chapter one. I don't know who's teaching this book, but he goes pretty slow. And we spent six weeks in chapter one and Peter encouraged us to grow up You're saved? Add to your faith virtue and godliness and brotherly kindness. Keep growing. He said, I'm going to remind you of these things. I'm going to stir you up with these things. I'm going to exhort you, man. And the best way to grow up is to get into God's word. But he doesn't just stop with grow up. He also transitions in chapter two to wake up. Wake up. It's important to grow up, but it's also important to wake up. You see, when Jesus commissioned Peter there in John 21, he said, hey, Peter, I want you to do two things. I want you to feed my lambs, okay? Grow them up. Give them the meal, bro. Feed my lambs, feed my lambs, feed my lambs. But he also said, I also want you to tend my sheep. Feeding and tending are two separate activities of a shepherd. Feeding is getting them fat, getting them strong, getting them ready. Tending, shepherding is protecting, warning, exhorting, equipping for the battle. You see, unfortunately, you guys, most of you know this, we're in a real battle right now with real truth and real lies, okay? With real light and real darkness, with real freedom and real bondage, with real life and real death. I mean, have you ever read Genesis chapters 1 and 2? So legit. Chapter 3, pure train wreck. It's like a TV show. And then in chapter 4, the very first chapter after the fall of man, after the sin of man is a bludgeoning by rocks and murder, brother upon brother, I mean, it gets real bad, real quick, real fast. And I say that to say this, we're in a real battle. And so when you get to a chapter like chapter two, where Peter says, hey, there's gonna be false teachers, there's gonna be false prophets that bring destructive heresies. There were then, there will now, and there'll be some in the future. It's just the way it is. Now check this out. Peter then goes on a rant, a 22 verse rant. A lot of the pastors I read and listen to, they teach all 22 verses at once. I'm like, dang. He goes into name-calling, stereotyping, labeling, grouping, identifying people. This is the same chapter that if a pastor were to preach it, he would get banned from Facebook. Okay, your YouTube channel would be deleted if you were to preach the stuff that Peter's about to preach. We're not allowed to label people and to stereotype people and to group people the way Peter does. And Peter said, no, just, this is how it is. Black or white, in, out, off, on, dead, alive, true, false. Wake up. Now, in chapter three, he segues from wake up. Chapter one is grow up. Chapter three, he says, hey, look up. And he reminds us, it's just a three-chapter book. It shouldn't take us too much longer to finish it. And he reminds us as we're awake to also look up because our redemption draws near. In chapter two, I want you guys to wrap here. It's gonna take us at least two weeks to get through 22 verses uh, this week and next week. And I told Esai, Pastor Esai in the back, we'd get to verse 11 today, but I don't think it's gonna happen but I want you guys to be equipped. Part of me wanted to race through this. It's not a lot of fun content. Part of me wanted just to get through it and hit the high spots. And the other part of me wanted to be a good pastor and help you guys wake up. Peter here takes 22 verses off his time right before he dies. And if they didn't already hate him in that culture, they would after this. If his death sentence wasn't for sure, he would be killed shortly after. If his death sentence wasn't for sure, it would be after this chapter. Whoa, Peter, you just offended everybody. You just, we're gonna cancel you. I want you guys to note a few things as we get into this, that Peter introduces these words, heresy and false prophets and false teachers and destruction. And heresy is an important word that we understand because we use that word from time to time in spiritual circles. That that, guy's a heretic or that's a heretical teaching or that's a heresy. And there are two different types of heresies. I want you guys to wrap your mind around this. There are spiritual heresies, okay, in a spiritual environment like ours. Then there are liberal heresies, That is, they're not part of the church, but they're part of the collective world that the world believes, and they have these ideas and these views that are also heretical. The word heresy originally came from this idea to give people a choice. That's all it was. was Just let's give people a choice. But that choice then went into a framework of dividing from the collective gathering. So when you were to make the Latin word, the Greek word, when you choose something, what's happening is is you're actually distancing, dividing yourself from the greater church. You become heretical in that nature, whether liberal or spiritual. It's an idea that puts you in a box and puts you higher than other people and distance than other people. A lot of people say, that person disagrees with me. They're a heretic. Let me just put this out there. Just because somebody disagrees with you on a certain issue doesn't mean they're a heretic, okay? If you disagree with God, though, you're a heretic. It's different, People can disagree with you. They can disagree with me. We have our opinions and our assumptions and applications and understandings and don't get too fired up to divide with people. But if somebody disagrees with God, they're going the wrong way. And Peter verses one through 22 would be aimed at them. Heresy, this idea that there is a choice that we make to go against God and distanced from people. Now, spiritual heretics will produce ideas that don't bring you closer to Jesus, but instead further away from Jesus. We would call this a cult. We would call this a spiritual group of people that have all these ideas, and hey, we're doing this, we're doing this, but you gotta watch the fruit. The fruit is you're actually not growing closer to Jesus. You might be growing more more spiritual, but you're distancing yourself from Jesus, and at that point, it's a heresy. A liberal heresy would be a group outside of the church and say, we believe in this ideology, we believe in this definition, we believe in this lifestyle choice. And if you find yourself going down that road, distancing yourself from Jesus it too is heretical under what God would say, this is my truth. This is where we're going. So it's a little bit important that we lean in and understand how to navigate through these waters. One of the ways we can avoid being picked off, and this is my hope for you as believers in these liberal heresies and spiritual heresies, is to understand the issues. And in a church like ours, we call these open-handed issues and close-handed issues. And the close-handed issues are very important. We don't open up our hand for anything. The open-handed issues, we can actually leave our hand open and I can hold your hand if we're differing on our application or our understanding. We can, I don't really see it that way, but you know what? It's not, not a close-handed issue, so I can hold your hand in fellowship. Close-handed issues. If you know the close-handed issues, you're not going pick, to be picked off by a liberal heresy or a spiritual heresy. Some of the close-handed issues. Is Jesus God? Okay, absolutely. That's a close-handed issue. And if you want to think that Jesus is not God and have a different view, I might pop you in the nose. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, I'm not going to hold your hand. That's, I don't believe that. And there's going to be fighting going on. Did Jesus die, raised from the dead, and ascended into heaven? Okay, did it actually happen? There's some theories out there that Jesus didn't actually die, that he just swooned on the cross, and he was cold in the tomb, and came back to life, and he didn't actually die, because you know what, that's impossible. And Paul said, if the resurrection is not true... Then we are, by all means, we're the most pitiful of all men. Okay? You don't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection? I'm gonna pop you in the face. It's a close handed issue. I'm gonna fight with you, okay? In grace and love, I'm gonna defend the faith. We're gonna be different. Your heresy's taking you away from Jesus, and I'm gonna protect that. Is the Bible God's word? Is this God's word? And people today will say, well, you know, there's so many translations and there's so, this Bible is alive, it is preserved, it has been proven, it is powerful. And God has chosen it to be so. As a matter of fact, in the next chapter, he's gonna say, do you not remember that by his word, everything was spoken? By his word he created. God is able to preserve this book. And by the way, if you believe as a Christian, you're like, I don't know, man, I just don't know. There's so many translations and so many men and so many things and the lost pieces. And if God cannot keep his book together, then he's not God. It's that simple. God's able to do it. He's chosen to do it. His word is enough. It's a closed-handed issue. I'm gonna pop you in the face because I love you. <laughs> open-handed issues. There's a lot of them. Open-handed Christianity, liberal theology. You know, what do we do open-handed? What kind of music do you guys have at your church? Well, we have a full rock band. Okay, it's awesome. We love it. Okay, it's open-handed issue. Some people say, well, we only sing out of the out of hymnals and we sing the hymns and we only have a piano because we don't have a stringed instrument. That's actually funny because a piano is a stringed instrument. (laughs) You ever find somebody real stuck in there, you know, close-handed? And people have the, you can do it however you want. People say, well, I'm a Christian. Should I homeschool or public school? I don't know. Pray about it. It's open-handed. You know, what what day should we worship on? This Tuesday or Sunday or Saturday? Pray about it. Worship the Lord on any day that ends in Y. There's open-handed issues. Here's the deal, though. A liberal heretic... We'll try and get you to take your close-handed issues and put them in the open hand. Let's just loosen up a little. Let's loosen up a little. Have you not seen the coexist sticker? It's so perfect. Everybody can work together. You don't have to be so closed-minded and closed-handed. And the liberal heretics will say, "Just loosen up on is this sola scriptura and sola Christos and you know, the scriptures alone and sola fide faith alone." Is, is that it? Now check this out. Some of the spiritual heretics and maybe you grew up in a church this way, or maybe you're prone to this side, you'll try and get people to take the clo- open-handed issues and put those over here in the close-handed issue. It's really important you do it this way. It's really important that you do it this way, and I can't believe you listen to that kind of music, and I can't believe you do these kind of things, and, I can't, and those gotta be over here, and both of which are or heretical and heresies that bring destruction or division within the body of Christ. So Peter here warns, he says, guys, be careful. How do we avoid being picked off? Know the issues. Know the issues and know them well. How are we gonna know the issues? We have the more sure word of God. See, Peter, this is a very dark chapter, it really is, but it comes on the heels of a very bright chapter. Oh, let's stir you up. We have the more sure word. First Peter one, second Peter 19, eight, 20, and 21. The word of God, it's the verse I wrote, I started with. That God has given to us his word. God's given to us his hope. As a matter of fact, it's just so so important that we stay in the scriptures. Yesterday, I was on my way to Fred Meyers, and I thought it was church. It was like church. It was crazy. Saw so many people there, prayed with people. And one of the highlights was I, I saw a friend, N- M- Betty. She's a friend of ours, and I don't know if she's here today, and she hasn't been to church in maybe a year and a half, and, and we began to talk, and we began to talk, and I, I talked about last week's message that Pastor Adam Durkin taught you guys. Were, anybody here for that? Was, was that so good? Was that so good? <laughs> It was so good, one service only, and his message, an attitude of gratitude, and man, and really having that hope, and the thing that stuck out to me is having that hope. I I kind of summarized it last night, my thinking, an attitude of gratitude in the the scope of hope. I made that up. It's kind of cheesy, but it works. I couldn't think of anything else to rhyme with hope that was worth saying, you know, the the dopey hopey, you know, the, the hope, and I was talking with Betty, and I said, you know what, there's this scripture, and I just, I hadn't thought about it in a long time, and, and, and the scripture is, is this there's a famine in the land, and, and Elisha the prophet prophesies, and it's really bad. Everyone's dying, everyone's eating their own babies, and they're eating dove dung, and they're eating donkey head, and just a bad day. It's in 2 Kings chapter 4, and 5, and 6. It's right in that area. And all of a sudden, Elisha says, You know what? Tomorrow you're going to get a bill, I'll have a five gallon bucket of flour for 25 cents. It's going to be crazy. And this guy sits there, and he looks at Elisha and he says, Even if God were to open up the windows of heaven, how can this thing be? And Elisha looked at him and said, two things, bro. Number one, not only will it happen, but number two, you're not gonna participate. You're not gonna get any of it. And what happened the very next day is through a series of events is God provided miraculously for the people just as he had prophesied through Elisha. And the guy that was in charge of the door slowing people down to get the food got trampled to death. And so he didn't get any of the food and God held up his end of the promise. And I was reminded of that story in the word based on Adam's preaching, to have hope for our country, to have hope, to not give up on San Francisco, to not give up on the government, to not give up on the social organization, to not give up. And man, there's so much give up in in us, isn't there? Read the scriptures. You're gonna find a lot of reasons not to give up. You're gonna find a myriad of stories that will say, hey, don't quit until you're dead, okay? You got a pulse, you got a what? A purpose. Don't give up. How are we gonna navigate through these days of darkness and difficulty? Feasting on God's word. Feasting on God's word. Being a people of God's word. Not basing your theology on liberal heretics or even spiritual heretics, but on what God has revealed to us in his word. He says in verse one of chapter two, we're only gonna get through four verses. I think we got through four verses a couple weeks ago. We've already done this before. He says, but there were also false prophets among the people even as there will be false teachers among you who secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. I mentioned this two weeks ago, that these, uh, these heresies and destructive ideas usually come in secretly, okay? They're not framed in a destructive framework, but instead they're subtle. No one ever tells you, hey, I wanna be your friend. I don't really believe in the Bible and I wanna ruin your life. Can we go have coffee? Have you had coffee with people that bring their Bibles, and after a few months or years, you realize they actually don't believe it? Yeah, I don't believe all that. No, I just bring it, you know, I go to church, and whole ministries are framed around leaders and pastors who don't actually believe this book, but instead through secret heresies are leading people astray. He says there's going to be a lot of followers. I was thinking about this word secret. Not only is it secret and destructive, I have been more... Confused or surprised by people who actually believe what they believe and they don't even know they're deceived. You ever been around somebody like that? They're not just there trying to trick you because they're evil, evil, but they've been tricked themselves and now we're double doomed. I went to this conference, I'll call it a seminar actually in Ashland. I saw a a poster up in Ashland that said, Listening to the Holy Spirit Seminar, Sunday, and it gave the date and time and place. And I thought, what? Listening to the Holy Spirit, what's that about? So I asked my pastor, can I go to this? And I took my good friend Jesse Banks and we went to the Ashland Public Library there in the basement and sat through this seminar and this heretic was teaching on how to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he had developed this entire theology. Here's, his, here's the basic of his theology. He says that there is a God and that God has a child. It's not son nor daughter, it's just a child. And that that child is sitting on the father's lap currently and that that child is having a thought. This is Ashland, careful. And within that child's thought is our current present reality. What's happening now is actually happening in the mind of God's child. And it's not actually happening. It's just in his mind, just what it would be like to be separated from God. And I was like, wait, what? And so trying to get to the bottom of this, I said, so none of this is actually happening and none of this actually matters? He said, yeah. And so I, I was maybe overcaffeinated. So I said, so if I stand up right now and shoot you, there's no consequences in your theology, in your worldview, like it doesn't matter. And you, I, I was really trying to get to the bottom of it. And, and if, I, if I do this, he said, like, well, you know, let me think about it. And at the end, at the end, here's what I asked him at the end. I said, hey, by the way, quick question. Does anybody else believe this? Or did you make all this up? He said, oh, yeah, I'm the founder of, of this, this idea. And I was like, okay, we got to go. We're late for church. We're late for church. God bless you guys, man. I'm out of here. And he was so deceived and so crazy. How are you going to avoid that? How are you going to avoid that? Jesus was tempted by the devil himself in Matthew chapter four, multiple times. And every time Jesus defended himself in temptation against Satan, he quoted God's word. If you know God's word, if you're submitted to God's word, if you're a lover of God's word, if you let God's word be a mirror to you that reflects you and don't try and edit it, you get edited by God's word, you adjust to what he says. If that is your approach, God will lead you, guide you, save you, change you and protect you. There's a story in the Old Testament right around 2 Kings again, and Elisha's there with the prophets, and, and they make up this stew one day. They're hungry, and they're eating it, and somebody takes a bite, and they accidentally added some poison gourds into this. You guys know the story in the Old Testament, and they're, they're getting poisoned there, and they start to freak out. There's poison. We're going to die. What should we do? And Elisha says, add more meal. Just add more flour which is a picture of God's word. We don't need to pick out all the stuff that's in there. You need more word in order to get through this world of chaos, temptation, difficulty, heresy, both liberal and spiritual. If you know the word of God, okay, you'll have a keen sense of what's going on all around you. And it might be secret to them, and they might be deceived, but it won't be to you. Oh, by the way, I'll just give you three more things to look for in ways to identify cults, heretics, heresies, liberal or spiritual theologies that are not right. Number one, they deny the Lord and his divinity. They take Jesus Christ and they just make him a mere man, a mere prophet, a, a, a great leader, a, a leader of leaders, the you know the uh, incarnation of Gandhi or whatever they want today. Listen, a cult will... Deny the Lord and his divinity, like it says here in verse one, they will deny the Lord who bought them. Number two, they'll distance the believer from fellowship and unity. If what you believe in the way of the world or in the way of spirituality is not encouraging you to go to church or to be involved or to go to a life group or to have fellowship or to walk in humility or to walk in in, in discipleship with one another, you're probably listening to and eating upon things that are destructive and heretical. I've been to churches before, as a matter of fact, I was in Ashland ministering on the college campus, and a new church came in. They were the International Church of Christ, ICC. Not the Church of Christ, the International Church of Christ. And I really tried hard today not label anything on purpose, but I will label them. And they began to then go into my groups of people that I was ministering to in college and they began to invite people to their church. And what they did was they distanced people from believers and they distanced people from others. They said, you actually can't go to that college group anymore. They're not real Christians. And I said, what? when did I become not a real Christian? How did that happen? Because they're not doing, and they, and they became very legalistic and cultish, draw, drawing people away and denying the work of Jesus. As a matter of fact, there's a, a church here in town We've had people leave our church and go to that church. And when they go to that church, they rebaptize them. And they say, because you've been to South Beach Church. Whoa, now I realize you might need a tetanus shot to go here, but that's different. Guys, careful. I love the church of God. I love other churches. I love people who love Jesus. I hope you're growing in that too. It's fun to be a part of South Beach Church, that's fine. This is your church, okay? At 8.30 in the morning every Sunday, we pray for our church services specifically. And then secondly, we pray for all the churches in our area, that they would be blessed, they'd be full, they'd have a revival, they'd be cared for. And then thirdly, we pray for the people that don't go to church yet, that are blind still and not in fellowship. Uh, a liberal or spiritual heretic will deny Jesus and distance you from fellowship. They'll isolate you, pick you off. Come over here. You got to live with you. just everyone else. No, we don't have time for that. The third thing they'll do is they'll not just deny the Lord and distance the believer. They'll devalue the word of God. They'll add to it. They'll change it. They'll introduce other books. And what about the, the lost books of the Bible? What about the other books? And what about these things? And what about these thoughts? And what about this? I No, no, no. Give me the word. Give me the word of God. How are you going to navigate these waters? How are you going to avoid this? know the issues, know the word. Look at verse two. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. We've seen this before that there are not just small groups, but there are large groups. And these large groups of heretics, they give Christianity a bad look. I, I, I don't know if I've expressed this clear enough. Because when you hear the word heretical or heresy or destructive theology, I think of church. I just think of the church. I want you to understand, we live in a world right now that has ideologies, though, and doctrines that are outside of the church, that the mainstream world says, this is why and what we do. This is how we think. This is where we go. This is what we believe in. And they're heretical in nature. They're dividing people away from their relationship with God and the body of Christ. And it's important that you understand they're both spiritual and secular heresies out there we need to navigate through. And there are large groups of heresies in the liberal world that have nothing to do with church. they got a lot of people. And a lot of people said, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. I like that. And they devalue God's word. They deny Jesus Christ and his divinity. And they also distance the believer. Look at verse 3. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words and for a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. Stop right their eyes up here he says it's through the covetousness of both their hearts and our hearts that they're going to prey on you. I mentioned this 2 weeks ago. It's through covetousness. And I want to put make sure and you look at this both ways. The men and women who lead these liberal and spiritual heresies, they're in it for themselves. They want a greater following, they want greater power, they want greater wealth, greater return on their investment, they want greater stuff, it's coveting. Coveting is wanting more of what you already have enough of, it's like greed. And anytime you're part of an organization that seems like it exists only for itself, red flag, just be careful seems like there's some covetousness going on in there. But the problem is, is they're going to prey on the covetousness of the people. They're going to tell you, man, this is too legit to quit. You go this way, you're going to be pleased. You go this way, you're going to be fulfilled. You go this way, you're going to have your best life now. You go this way, and it's going to be all about your experience, your kingdom now here. It's going to be all about this. Well, when I read the Bible, Jesus says, if you're going to come after me, you need to deny yourself. You need to pick up your cross daily and follow me. If you're gonna work for me, you need to store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thieves don't get to. You need to have a heavenly view so you might be earthly good. It's not all about here. Do not be led astray by the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world. They're warning after warning about this world. And yet you and I, man, we're so broken by covetousness. And so watch out, they'll pray on your covetousness. Just send us your money and God will hear your prayers. Really? Oh man, I could love to hear my prayer. Here's my money, you know just pray for our ministry and send us a $1,000 check once a month. And you'll be blessed and there's covetousness. He says in verse three that their destruction does not slumber. I have written in my notes here that God's gonna judge. Isn't that good news? Because this can be very confusing and very daunting and very heavy. Like, oh man, I gotta make sure, you know? And maybe you're gonna go to you know, lunch today and look at the waiter. Are you a heretic? You know, it's like, don't do that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, smell like a heretic, you know? <laughs> I love the fact that God is gonna judge the world. Matter of fact, if you have your Bibles open, hope you do, hope you bring your Bible to church. Uh, look at verse nine, just jumping ahead. It says, the Lord, the word then is in parentheses or in uh, italics, so it's not in the scriptures. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Stop right there, eyes up here. Peter declares, you know what God is doing real well? Okay, he's gonna preserve the godly. He's gonna rescue them. He's got it. He's got it all figured. He's pulling people to himself and he's going to judge the ungodly. God is gonna do both things well. That's his job. That's what he does. He saves and he holds accountable. That's not your job description. It's too heavy for you and for me. What God wants us to do is to grow, okay? To feed on his word, to walk in his faithfulness. Look at verse four. This will be our final verse for the day, apparently. They did not go the way I planned. Love it. Guys, I, just, I want you to feel the intensity. I want, you to, I want you to bear the weight of chapter two with me for the next two weeks. I want you to read it. I want you to like kind of just swim around in it. Because Peter takes time to, to, to warn us. Jesus said, tend my sheep, Pete. Don't just fatten them up for the kill. Make sure they know what's happening. So now Peter gives us four case studies in the Old Testament as examples of people who were reprobate of mind and action that God held accountable. So that way you who are living here in this world today can say, my God's got it. I don't really have to worry about it. And if you are a heretic, okay, you have today to repent. And they say, Lord, I just want to, I just want to get back under the spout where the blessings come out. I want to get back into the fold of God. Let's just read a few of these and and I'll make some comments and we'll send us on our way and we'll enjoy the sun today. Four, if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but he cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood of the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. And he delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man, dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to preserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who walk according to the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They're presumptuous. They're self-willed. They're not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord." Stop right there, that's 11 verses. And for 11 more verses, he's gonna continue to instruct the church that God knows how to do both, save the righteous and to reserve the unjust for the day of wrath. This is good news. Cause don't you, isn't the world going crazy? I mean, it's getting crazier and crazier. And yet he gives us three case studies at the beginning. And the fourth one is Balaam, who I didn't read about. The first three case studies are the angels of old, Noah's day in the ancient world, and Sodom and Gomorrah. And every once in a while, I think, man, it's so bad. It's never been worse than this. And the Lord's like, you ain't seen nothing And Peter here says, man, there was an angelic rebellion. Can you imagine that? Angels, God creates angels. They're a little higher than than us. We're a little lower than them. And one day we'll rule them. And the angels, for whatever reason, we're not given a lot of detail on the angelic rebellion. We see it in Genesis chapter six where the angels left their domain. They did some weird stuff with the sons and daughters of God. And God wasn't impressed with that. And giants came out of the whole deal. It's all messed up. There's not a lot of details. Also, the scriptures tell us that Satan fell in heaven when he was filled with pride and wanted a little bit of the limelight, a little bit of the worship, and God says, what are you talking about? Let me just summarize it this way. Throughout generations, men and women have made mistakes going after lesser things and have been held accountable. It will not be different in our future. And yet in every generation, there's also been men and women who've desired to know the issues, who've desired to feed on God's faithfulness, who've desired to be right there like righteous Lot, like Noah in the midst of a depraved generation and God doing things. So would you with me, maybe even this week, just be hopeful in the Lord, be excited about what God's doing, feed on his faithfulness, know the issues, understand that all of these other wanton ideas and tricks and traps and and deceptions that will lead to destruction. I'll just make one point. We'll start with this point. Even if things seem so angelic, Uh, Man, the the devil's so sneaky, the way he tricks us and just come over here. It's not going to be bad. Do it this way. Follow me. This will gain you and garner you greater freedom and greater fulfillment. And that's exactly what the angels of old looked for in their rebellion, greater freedom and greater fulfillment. What did it get them? Chains and darkness forever. And let that be a, a word for someone here today that's going outside of God's truth, God's ways. I just want greater fulfillment and greater freedom, and and I feel like it's gonna be this way. Eh. Anytime we try and do it our way, okay, it's greater chains, darkness, and judgment. Guys, it, it is a heavy chapter, and I want you to bear it with me. I want you to think it through. Let it also be balanced with God's ability to save. If God could rescue Lot, and we'll talk about that, if God could rescue Noah, if God could rescue Pete, if God could rescue me, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation, that our salvation is nearer today than it ever has been. Today's the day. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Walk in that hope. You're the chosen generation. I'm gonna say a prayer on you guys and ask you to get out of here. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your faithfulness. And we... We are just sheep. We submit to you, the Savior shepherd, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb who was slain. Holy Spirit, would you anoint us? Would you humble us? Would you make us men and women who know the issues, who feed on your faithfulness, who know our place in time, and who walk in the fear of the Lord? Lord, I pray you would use us in this generation to be peacemakers, to be lovers, to be servants, to be salt and light. Make us those who strive, Lord, to honor you and to serve others. We trust you for all these things, Lord, and uh, would you bless us as we go our way now. Bless all the events, the ladies' walk this Wednesday and the Bible studies for the youth and the barbecue for the YAG today. We love you, Lord. We give you our lives. We thank you so much for this church, Lord. Keep blessing us, we pray. Lead us in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen.